Hello, welcome to Nerd Geek Dork. It's our podcast where we explore the nerdy, geeky, dorky side of pop culture. I'm Pete the Retailer. With me, as always, is Ella Adam. Hello. Uh, well, today we have a, a, a very nerdy, geeky, dorky thing um, for, for many, although it's also incredibly popular and mainstream. Um, it's professional wrestling. And let me tell you something, brother. While the outcomes may be predetermined and all the moves completely choreographed, nothing fake about professional wrestling that's true it's actually a ridiculous amount of athleticism especially because they're you know they're on the road all the time they're doing you know several nights a, a week you know they're real athletes but what they're doing happens to be scripted predetermined most of the time they're a nice mesh of athletes and actors exactly athletes I, I don't i can't even make those Act- two athletes yeah i'm sorry i can't do it afters yeah it's tough so with us on the podcast today we've got uh jim and we've got phil who are both new to Nerd Geek Dork, but uh, they know each other, and they uh, they know about wrestling. So uh, let's hear what we had to say about it. Do it. I feel like you always say do it like that. <laughs> I know, sometimes you say let's do it. Ho! <laughs> there you go. Professional wrestling. We have to. We have to distinguish the you know, from amateur to, wrestling. Yeah, amateur wrestling, or you know, that kind of Greco-Roman Olympic wrestling. You don't get paid when it's real. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Pretty much. I think that's. I mean, that's, aside from how it's done, that would be the other large difference between the two. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think don't take money out. Yeah, but I think <laughs> I I think that people you know get sponsorships and stuff like that. So I think in a way you get paid, but it's not like it's not like you know like with Major League Baseball, it's not like this team is paying me. It's right. a different way about it. Right. That's how I understand it. I mean, hell, who knows? I mean, maybe they will make a pro amateur wrestling league at some point. That'd be pro weird. amateur wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. MMA is big. Why not? It's true. True. Well, the thing that's that's always going to be unsatisfying about real amateur wrestling is that it, you know the storylines won't pay off. I mean, not that no. not that pro wrestling yeah, storylines always pay off the one, the way you want them to. But yeah, why? You know, what, there's nothing behind it. Like, why do I care if this guy's yeah. wrestling this guy? That's yeah. why I don't Just care about boxing. A healthy competition. That's the only thing. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. Right. If you're just a fan of the sport, I guess the same thing with. And everything else, like uh, lacrosse and, you know, everything else that doesn't end up being a professional thing, that's just a le- like you're getting paid now to do this. I think it's like, why are people watching this? <laughs> um, aside from just being passionate about the, the sport of it, I guess. They need to start <clears throat> They need to start injecting some drama into those professional lacrosse oh, yeah. leagues. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Something. I want some high stakes. I want some last-minute trades. You know, uh, right. some betrayals, like a guy scores a goal on his own team and then reveal he pulls off his jersey and he's got the other team's jersey on I'm waiting for that to happen in, in sports one day. Like, it's gonna, it's just going to be amazing. <laughs> Heck yeah. I mean, you, you almost get it. You, you get it every once in a while in pro sports where, like, things when, you know, A-Rod 
jumped from Seattle and like uh, whenever it, you know, a player goes from one city to the next, like what, when LeBron James left Cleveland to Miami, is that it's all like, Oh, you're chasing the money. And then the moment they get back, they're visiting the city that they used to play in. It's nuts. And everybody hates them. That's about the closest thing I could think that could happen. Yeah. I think that that would be it. Aside from all this other, like the steroid stuff and everything going on, which is like a different level. But I mean, Cause that stuff's just so involving. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think the closest I've seen in, 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 you know, major league sports, uh, we actually, Adam, actually, I think we mentioned this on the a hockey podcast is that, uh, mm. you know, Sidney Crosby from the penguin is that we're enemy du jour of, uh, of most of the other you know, yeah. hockey teams. Uh, we were at a, a, an Islanders game and Crosby got, you know, hit in the face with a, uh, with a puck hard enough that it like, you know, broke his teeth and like separated his tongue from his, from his lower jaw and all that. And the, the entire Nassau Coliseum standing ovation, cheering the fact that he just got hurt, that he's lying there bleeding on the ice. And, and it was like, it was such a wrestling moment that it was just kind of like, wait, 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 this is is real. Like that guy's really hurt. Like he's not. uh, And his own team did it. It's not even like the Islanders did it to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy about that is, like, that's not theater. That's real. That's, like, Christians to the lion stuff. Right. And that, like, uh, that, like, visceral reaction from a mass audience is crazy to feel. Like, it's so, like, when you're in person there, it's, like, so palpable. And to some degree that happens in with professional wrestling, but not nearly the same way because that's it's not real. A, yeah, yeah, that's, that's like a human person level. that got hurt. Right. Yeah. And there are like 15,000 people just focused on that one person and just like screaming for more blood. I had this weird thought this morning that made me laugh. I was just thinking about, oh yeah, we're going to do this podcast. What would I bring up? And then I realized my whole love of wrestling and just the storylines, I feel like I can attribute that to my mother and my aunts and my grandmother that I lived with growing up. Because I feel like they prepared me for wrestling storylines by watching soap operas. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was saying it, it was an easier transition into like these long, like re- like long arching storylines that, you know, they always had callbacks and then the inevitable conflicts. Yeah. It was just Somebody such would an go easy away thing. and then they come back months yeah. later. Right. Exactly. Betrayals yeah. and everything else. It's and I, I was I was actually talking to somebody kind of about the same thing, like Cause like when I was a kid, I used to watch it and I took a, I took like a 12 year break of not watching it. Yeah, it was the same way. And basically meeting Jim made me start watching wrestling again. Cause then we like kind of like scratched the surface like, Hey, you remember wrestling? And there, we just started watching it again. Yeah. And what I, what's, what I love about it is it's such a unique thing. It's such a unique thing. Those are, like you said, it is, it's soap operas and it's live. Like people watch this in person and it travels around the country, around the world, and it's seen around the world. There's nothing else like that. There's absolutely nothing like that that tells a story that, and it's an ongoing story that like people just eat up and they love it. And I like, if you just wrap your head around it for a minute, it's crazy to think about just. It's it's I think it's one of the most unique entertainment mediums that are that is out there ever. Yeah. I think. When you when you think about the fact that they just uh, last year they had the one thousandth episode of Monday Night Raw. That's one one thousand Mondays that they've done that. Yeah. Coming out with something and being able to put it on the air 
consistently for that many weeks is insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, is, who else has ever done that? Yeah. yeah. I, soap I, opera, I, but that's it. Yeah. yeah. My life hasn't even been, been consistently good for a thousand yeah. weeks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's. I want to hug you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> you need better writers, Adam. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah, there's something going Someone on. Someone call me Freddie Prince Jr. right now. Jeez, there's something going on in that writer's room. You might need to work that out. But <laughs> like and that's 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 going from, you know, the people that are in the offices, like from the top down to the wrestlers to like the road crew guys. Like they're they've they're all involved. Like it takes so much. They they bring in those sets, they break them down, they take them to the next city, and they've been doing that for so many years. Yeah. It's it's crazy. talk about the nwo the monday night wars kind of slash nwo thing somebody want to summarize it real quick i i can do that all right um okay so you had two wrestlers who were i'm gonna oh, it's gonna be kind of mixing the storyline and the real stuff i figure that's the best way to do it right well that's i mean that's, well, that's, that's part of why too, it works yeah. yeah yeah so you had two wrestlers from the wwf uh scott hall who was known as razor ramon and uh kevin nash who was known as diesel um they decided not to renew their contracts with the WWF. And then they started showing up on WCW programming, but not as packaged wrestlers. They weren't, they weren't like, you know, coming in matches. They were just like sitting in the audience. And then they'd inter- interfere with matches and they just caused trouble with, you know, the broadcast. Yeah. So for younger fans, it was like, what the heck's going on? For older, the Smarks were probably just like, all right, what's going on here? You know, like it's kind of a work, but what kind of work is this and how you know, where are they going to take it? So it was feeding on the rivalry and, you know, their unhappiness with the previous company. And they kept, uh, they kept referring to their boss. There's always, they're always going to have this boss. That's like, he's, he's the guy behind everything, but they never said who it was. So their bash at the beach pay-per-view, I believe it was. Oh boy. Yeah. That was they right, had yeah. a six man tag team match and WCW had its biggest stars as their heroes taking, uh, going against NWO. So you had sting, Macho Man and Lex Luger? Yeah, I think it was Luger. And so, again, Hall and Nash came out by themselves, so it was just two on three. They were still holding their own, and they were about to win (laughs) when Hulk Hogan runs out, and everyone goes insane because Hulk Hogan's here to save the day. He hadn't shown up in a while, and this was it. He was going to take care of business until he starts beating up Macho Man. Yeah, he did that... uh... Everybody was circled around Macho Man and uh, Hogan, like, squared up against Hall and Nash. And then Hogan did the leg drop on Macho Man. And that was, like, <laughs> leg drop heard around the world. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I, and I remember, because I didn't, I didn't order the pay-per-view, so I employed the old uh, hit recall trick on your remote so that you could see it, like, blurry. Yeah. And yeah. I, I saw the moment when Hogan came in. And then when he did the turn, I didn't even wait to see what happened. I ran to the living room, grabbed my phone, and called one of my best friends and said, <laughs> Hulk Hogan is a bad guy now. He's leading the NWO, and we just freaked out. Yeah, it was amazing. And I remember, because uh, what I used to, I was like a WWF guy, but I still watched WCW, and I did the recall thing whenever the Monday night shows were on. So, like, when Raw went to a commercial, I hit recall, and I would go and watch Nitro. Yeah, um, yeah, that's how so I, I did the same exact thing that you did. And every once in a while, 
I would do. Uh, I'd I'd watch like the scrambly porn version of a WCW. Uh, I, did, I didn't want to call it the scrambly porn. I wanted to save myself some dignity. But yes, that was, <laughs> was what the oh, oh. was. You know what? <laughs> hey, for generate these generations now, they don't even know what oh, yeah, scrambly porn so is. Okay. Yeah, but here's here's the problem. Not not with internet porn, but with what WCW did. They had one of the greatest storyline uh, heel turns in wrestling history. But then, what do they do with it? They yeah. went from having this very awesome crew of three wrestlers who were just owning it to every week saying, hey, this guy's in the NWO now. Yeah. This guy's in because all these wrestlers saw that the NW guys were getting, NWO guys were getting paid more money. They were getting more screen time. Yeah. And everybody wanted in. But instead of making it like a smart process, like, all right, we'll just cap it at six. You pretty much had three quarters of the roster being NWO and the members who weren't being members of the LWO or Wolfpack. Yeah, the, the Rednecks. It was just like all these yeah. stables that made no sense. Yeah. And then right. they had, yeah, and then they had like a full NWO pay-per-view. I just, yeah, they, they went way too far with it is what happened. Yeah. Like I, I really, I started watching it when I was like six years old. Like my dad, my dad was into it and like my dad like uh, got my brother and I into it. Like I still remember the, the uh, theme song for NWA. My dad used to, uh, like I used to be six years old. My dad used to walk up behind me and how you do with little kids. He used to grab my arms and lift my arms and like wave my arms around and go like that. That's the old NWA theme song. And I still remember the graphics from it. Like I was a kid watching this and then it hit that high prime when I was in high school, um, like in the late nineties, um, and like, and that's when all that stuff with like Monday Night Wars with WCW and WWF was going on. Like, so it was, that, it, it was crazy addictive and it hit its peak. And like, I mean, and it was one thing that was weird to me is like, since I watched it for so long and it got crazy popular in maybe about like 94, 95, maybe. Like, that's when everybody else started jumping on board, like, people that never really watched it and everything else. And for, like, for every once in a while, I had this weird, like, purist kind of anger about it. Yeah, because, like... You were on board first, and then everybody else... Yeah, like, they were some kind of, like, pop culture tourists that were like, oh, wrestling, funny, ah, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know what I mean? I'm like, nah, you don't know what you're talking about, you know? Because, like, it just got, like, so many people got on board, and... um I had a, a group of friends in high school, it was about 20 people, where every time they had a pay-per-view event, we would, like, all pool together money and go to somebody's house, and we would get, like, pizzas or party subs or something, give the parents the money, and they would order the pay-per-view, and we'd all sit around and watch it. That I sounds mean, awesome. Mine, mine that. was literally just, I would make my dad buy the pay-per-view, and my sister and I would watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Phil, you, so, Phil, you were, you were, in essence, a wrestling hipster. Basically, yeah. No, because like I'm a huge like music is like my number one. I love music so much, and like I don't know if you guys get that feeling when like a band that you've been listening to for years blows up. You're like, Duh. like that's how it was for me. I was like, God, you jerks, you don't even know. <laughs> right. You know, How are you like, making millions of dollars? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, that was it. Was weird for me for a bit because like I I was just kind of being like a weird wrestling hipster, basically, like you were saying. You need you need to you need to suspend belief. That's what you need to do. 
You really do. And yeah. I, my favorite example is I remember as a child, I've told this story to a few people. Pete, I'm not sure if I've ever told you. I used to go with my uncle and aunt to so many uh, WWF house shows at the guard at Madison Square Garden. And the first time I went, there was one match. It was still when The Undertaker was kind of like making a name for himself. And he was fighting Tugboat, who <laughs> was a lovable guy. Yeah. And he demolished tub- Tugboat and then put him in a body bag. I had never been more scared in my entire life yeah. because I thought he killed Tugboat. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you yeah. told me that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they're, when they get a popular thing, like we were saying, it, it's like they, they ordered a, a whole pizza and they just ate the whole pizza and they do it right away. You know what I mean? So they get this popular thing and they just beat it into the ground. Yeah. Right. They, it's like they don't have discipline with their art form anymore. Yeah. And I mean, they I still do it like now and again. getting better? I feel now? like that they are, but like the, um, that... Like they're do, they still do it every once in a while. Like that yeah. Fandango character, they're beating him into the ground just because he got internet popular like really oh, yeah. quick. And now it's like, oh, now we're it's like almost meta. Like how they're just like, hey, now you're everybody's pointing their fingers in the air and shaking around and doing the thing. Like they just they got way too fast with it, way too quick. And now I I mean I love that character, but like it made me not like him because I was like almost a wrestling hipster again. Like I like this dude just because he's weird. Right. And yeah. like nobody else likes him, and now everybody likes him. I'm like, oh, you yeah. know, um, they like him for the wrong reasons. Right, right. I mean, uh, I prefer I prefer wrestling before the social media age, definitely. Yeah, like the whole like if I'm watching a match, I don't want to be like, oh, let's hear what's the newest trending topic on Twitter, right. or hey, have you followed us on our new video messaging uh, <laughs> service? No, I just yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like I feel like kind of like in the way that restaurants have their ear to Yelp, I think they have their ear to social media stuff. And I think that probably tanks a lot of characters. But I also feel uh, like they're late to the social media, so now they're playing catch-up with it. Yeah. Sure. And well, they're letting it affect their yes. programming, I think. Wrestling is definitely a social chameleon because it can, it, almost on a weekly basis, it can just change its whole identity to fit what's currently popular. Yeah. Which I would imagine is stressful as a writer to have to be able to, like, shift these things to make sense yeah yeah or somebody gets injured a, a night before a show and you have to rewrite everything that day right yeah, yeah. But that's got to be so nerve-wracking yeah and then you have sometimes it's not even in the writing it's in the preparation of a match which can be a make or break for an event too i mean i have macho man ricky steamboat in my head right now yeah and it's almost like watching a play <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And I think that's where when there are two guys and I, I use this word pro, like when these guys, when I say like pro, I mean like they're seasoned guys. You can tell that there are guys that don't need to sit there and like walk out their match as much as like a lot of other people do. Like when they're just guys that have been around and they've been doing it for so long, like they can just do stuff on the fly and they can make it work. And there are some guys that just can't and it yeah. doesn't work. But sometimes you have guys who do like that actual match. Apparently, uh, Randy Savage said they spent like a weekend going over it just yeah. because it was WrestleMania. So yeah. you have some people who can just like envision it in their heads and this is what we need. This is what yeah. we need to do. Yeah. I mean, pro wrestling is one of those things that once they break the illusion for you, once someone tells you it's not real, you don't say, I hate it now. Yeah. You just, you actually kind of appreciate it more. 
Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I think you can, it's easier to appreciate the story of it and like the the, the nonsense of what's happening. Yeah, because you're not taking it as serious anymore. And I I feel I don't know if it happens as much nowadays because it is what it is. But like I remember, like back when I was in high school, and like there's that there's always that that like weird concept of like yeah I watch pro wrestling. Like people respond to you as if you're being duped because you don't know that it's like right, right. yeah you know like oh this guy's being this rube over here watches professional <laughs> wrestling he doesn't get that it's not real you know like <laughs> no I get that it's not real stupid it's just like entertaining to me right. yeah. you know it's the same reason you watch a TV show or whatever yeah, yeah. it's yeah. written it's something that's scripted and that's you're watching yeah. for entertainment yeah. I actually I actually had a moment that almost broke the illusion much younger than it should have been. Like I was maybe about five or six and I was at a house show and it was also, or maybe it was a little older cause they did a memorial for Andre the giant. He had passed away that day. Mm-hmm. So they did like a 10 bell thing and a moment of silence. But then later on they did a check. They were awarding a check to a charity and all the wrestlers came out, all of them. Yeah. So you had the heels and the faces all together. And it's like, wait a second. What's going on? Yeah. So my uncle, I don't know if he did this on purpose. He was, he was genius of him. But he went down, he went down to the front because he had drawn this giant uh, banner with Razor Ramon on it. And he brought it down, showed him. But then when he came back, he told me, oh, man, it's, it's so close to everyone fighting. Like, they yeah, don't want to no, be standing. And I was like, oh, okay, great. so they don't get along. Yeah. When they that's were probably like a, just standing there and he told me that to kind of keep the illusion going. Well, no, I mean, they might not have been getting along too. It's, an, it's another third layer. It's like, okay, like the first layer is just kind of like, oh, that, you know, the good guy's beating up the bad guy. And then it's like yeah. layer two is like, oh, wait, this is all scripted. And, you know, this was set up so that they're, they're fighting. And of course, you know, like it, it, it makes total sense. And then the third layer is that layer of kind of like politics and behind the scenes finagling of, right. you know, like corporate policy and and you know business uh, decisions and stuff like that or just weird shit happening there was there was a house show a couple of years ago this is back when uh what was it rene dupree was the the french guy right he was he was a wrestler in the wwe wof wwe whatever um i'm pretty sure it was rene dupree but um, he, i feel i feel like if we're defining things maybe uh, define what a house show is oh a house um, show is an, a non-televised show so WWE goes on the road for maybe about 300 days out of the year, maybe more actually. Yeah. And they have two weekly shows on Mondays and Fridays, which majority of the time they actually tape live. On a uh, Tuesday. Oh, yeah, they have a Tuesday show. So they, they literally have a show Monday, travel somewhere, do two shows Tuesday. That's insane to me, yeah. the schedule that they're on. It's crazy. But the the house shows, they kind of like flesh out storylines sometimes, or they're just trying out angles. Since it's not on TV, they can kind of just pretend it never happened. Yeah. But there was an event a couple of years ago, and Rene Dupree was fighting Crash Holly. Oh, yeah. No, not Crash Holly, not Crash, Bob Holly. He was fighting Bob. Bob Holly. Now, what had happened, and again, I could be wrong on Rene Dupree, it was one of the La Resistance guys, a team of Frenchmen. But <laughs> one of them, he had. Damaged the rental car that Bob Holly had been that was rented under Bob Holly's name. Yeah. So Bob Holly got charged more on his credit card. <laughs> so during their match, Bob Holly decided he was going to punish him for that and beat the crap out of him. <laughs> so an incident with the rental car let this left this dude like busted open uh, during a stage fight. Uh, 
also going into the the fact that there's so many road shows and that you are on the road for pretty much an entire year it really does feel certain storylines i mean just your interactions you're stuck with these people all year you're not seeing your family you're frustrated you know if you're not dating someone who works for the company you're not seeing your significant other Right. Or then you have affairs going on and wrestlers getting pissed because their girlfriend's sleeping with another wrestler, which then destroys things and people get fired and, you know. Or it gets worked into a storyline. Exactly. Right. Which yeah, is I, nuts. I mean, I used, to, I used to work contract jobs where I would, like, leave home and be gone for a few weeks, a few months out of the year. But, like, just that, that I mean, being gone that whole, like, most of the year going home to hotel rooms and being around the same people all the time. It's like being in a band that's just perpetually on tour. Like, I can't imagine what that does to you. But I also, I mean, these guys work so hard, and that's like their dream. So maybe it's cool for them, or maybe they don't realize it until they're like in their second year, and they're like, geez, can I get a break? Yeah, but that's the thing. You can't take a break. The business is so fast-paced that you fear getting an injury or getting sick because one missed week is could be the difference between a really big push or just getting dropped to nothing. Yeah. I, right? I, I heard an interview. Jeez, this is nerdy. I heard an interview with Rob Van Dam, and it was like a few years ago, and basically it was like one of the things. He was talking about kind of how he got out of WWE, and basically it started where it was toward the end of the year, whichever year it was, and he wanted to take time off and like be with his family for Christmas and stuff. And just take time off because he's been on the road for so long. And I guess like Vince McMahon called all the wrestlers into this like meeting and he's like, hey, we're going to go overseas and do the whole like support the troop shows and stuff like that. And he was like, it's totally voluntary. You guys can go or you don't, you know, whatever. And then RVD declined and that became a thing. Like, I guess it wasn't voluntary and RVD like really took it personally that Vince wouldn't let him off the hook Hmm. and he left and like. I guess, like, that's the kind of thing. It's like, well, if the business is making decisions that you don't like and you don't follow them, then they'll probably get rid of it because there are a million other guys that they can take. I'm so glad I never followed through on my plan to be a professional wrestler. Oh, everybody. <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah, I mean, there was this wrestling school by my house, and I was thinking about doing it, but I just started working at a comic book shop, and I was in high school still, so I was just like, I'm broke. I don't have the money <laughs> or the time. I had, a, I had, I had a, my gimmick ready. Count Slamula. <laughs> my finishing move was the Vampire Sunrise Surprise. I might oh have just God. called it the Sunrise Surprise, but it was going to be a Spike DDT. It was going to be great. That's nice. That's yeah, I, I had a friend in high school. He was a year below me, and we were talking about moving to wherever it was, Atlanta, and going to the power plant for, <laughs> where WCW was. Because I saw, I saw some little thing on tv about the power plant i don't know if it was like a news story or whatever but like i was like holy crap that's how they learn how to do that i want to go do it like i really wanted to do that oh goodness i mean you could you could go to a crappy school and as long as you put in the work and continue to learn on your own i mean the school i would have went to was horrible it was it's pretty bad the guy who was running it was never really that uh truthful with his promises Mm -hmm. oh that's the biz yeah, but I mean, he was pretty bad. But uh, one guy that I went to elementary school with that actually stayed in the school and then went on to other schools, he's he's done a good job for himself on the indie scene. Um, and I mean, this is me finding out how he be- 
he still was a professional wrestler. We'll chain into some talk about another indie federation that me and Pete really like. Um, Liked past tense now. Yes, it doesn't exist anymore. <clears throat> there was this federation called Chikara, which uh, it was more like family geared, really fun, like heavy emphasis on entertainment, comical wrestling, great characters. The characters were amazing. But you had this, col- this stable that was a colony of ants <laughs> called The Colony, which was great. They came out to uh, Dave Matthews' band, Ants Marching. Oh boy! And I mean, but they were great wrestlers. Uh, they still are. But I was watching a video of one, and one of the ants turned on the rest, and he unmasked himself. And I had like a holy shit moment. Yeah. That's a kid I went to elementary school with. Wow. He's still awesome. wrestling. Which ant was he? Uh, he was Carpenter Ant. Uh. And then he so became. That was, yeah. Yeah, and then he became the Pink Ant. Now he wrestles as uh, Pinky Sanchez on the Indies. <laughs> <laughs> and he does he does well for himself. I mean, hey, he's been to Japan, he's been around the world. It's pretty yeah, it's awesome. It's a way to travel. Hell yeah. I'm jealous. Well that I feel, yeah, I feel like back to like the, the school thing, like you if you learn how to take a bump and like do the basics, then you can just work your way to a different place and, you know, use those basic skills and just expand on them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Chikara because that's uh I wanted to hit on you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh I mean, you know, taking a break from wrestling for a little while. And I took a, like a long break that, you know, I, I watched a lot when I was a kid up until my, you know, maybe my teens. And then somewhere around college, I started to fade out a little bit and come back to it in, in bits and pieces, hits and misses uh, since then. But uh, one of the things that I feel like they lost me with is that it became too kind of, it took itself too seriously. Like they right. everything started to be, you know, badass and like who could be the most badass and, and, you know, there were it did no, seem like there was gimmicks. Yeah, yeah. There were no like gimmicks crazy gimmicks or like you know there were no evil twin referees and there were no you know like <laughs> you know yeah, clown wrestlers just, like, or you know crazy somebody's actual name or something. Yeah, yeah. Or no, no kidnapping anymore or anything like that. <laughs> I, I just, I you know, one of the things that they kind of uh, you know, I I don't know if they're trying to appeal to an audience that they think they have, they're trying to capture kind of something else, but they seem to have kind of forgotten about the fun aspect of it. Which I is where like Chikara came in. up in the MMA oh, yeah. rise, and they tried to, to latch on to that and just have guys with names. Yeah. yeah. Without, without a gimmick, just to, you know, I'm angry and I'm here to fight about it. Right. Yeah. Which but is I why feel like they're going more towards those yeah. fun characters now. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Chikara's characters... I mean, that's what got me and Pete back into it, too. I mean, you have you have a team known as Los Ice Creams, Luchador Ice Creams. Right. Antonio and they were Cesaro. brothers. Yeah, you had Antonio Cesaro. He was, he was one of the ice creams for a while. He was yeah. very Mysterioso ice cream. But, I mean, <laughs> just even the character names. You had uh, El Hijo de Ice Cream and Ice Cream Jr. Yeah. Mr. Touchdown. Dasher uh, Hatfield, Dasher the old-timey Hatfield, king yeah. of swing. There was there was a wrestler who he wrestled before we got into Chikar, but then he showed up again. His name was Lance Steele. He was a medieval knight who got <laughs> oh, transported great. through time. Now that's the thing great. was, he that's had a tag insane. team partner who was also Lance Steele from another point in time. <laughs> oh, that's crazy! That's so good. That's which is, crazy. Which is beautiful. Yeah. See, that's it, the stuff it, that I I, I miss because once we all know that it's not really real. I mean, you know, there's certain things that they can get away with, you know, without reminding you that that, you know, it's not real. But then there's certain things yeah. once we all accept that, like, OK, it's not, you know, these guys aren't really don't really hate each other. They're not really sending each other to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Like then we can have fun with it. And then it's like, yeah. all right, well, he's time traveling. And then, you know, this guy's a swamp monster. And then, you know, this yeah. guy. 
it's, it's or they're crazy. hypnotizing each other. Like that's, right. that's oh crazy. god, yeah. I it's it's weird because I feel like I don't know if it's a thin or thick line between the like the characters and the reality thing because like I point this out to Jim probably five times a week. I love stuff like that. I love characters. I love those crazy off the wall characters. And when they introduce them into bigger shows like WWE, I still love it. But like I tend to, I don't know if it's because I'm an adult now and maybe I studied media and, you know, film and all this other kind of crazy stuff. But like I have this thing where I I like straddle the line between reality and what I'm watching. And I just get, I think that it's so absurd when I start deconstructing it. Like you said, like a time traveling knight who's also just a trained professional wrestler. What is he doing here? Like, you know, like, what is he doing? Did he, he's all the way, so he's a time traveling knight and here he is tonight in Poughkeepsie and he, you know, like, and he's going against a scorpion. But yeah, I think my favorite thing that we, that we touch on in a lot of text conversations with like Raw and SmackDown is why are they hashing this out in the ring? Yeah. Why are they that taking was, care of this backstage? Yes, that was yeah. that was the thing that got me as a child. There's and it that's kind of what made me start going, wait a second. Because okay, you hate this guy so much. Yeah. You poison him with a snake at his own wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yet yet when a bell rings, you guys will stop fighting and you'll walk away. Yeah, and yeah. then show up in Miami the next week. <laughs> it's like, start all over again. It's still going. They'll still adhere to the rules. Even though you hate him so much, you just respect rules that much. Yeah, like, did you guys, like, was he not, like, at the airport, like, eight people back behind you in line and you were just glaring at him the whole time? You know, like, he destroyed your truck, <laughs> you know? Like, I, oh, God. As soon as I started thinking about that, it made it more entertaining to me, but also more absurd. I often talk about kind of there's three different facets that have to be there kind of in balance uh, to make a, a good like a, a a good wrestler or or a popular wrestler like they have to they they have to have uh, you know technical skill obviously like they can't just be out there and be like a well they they can there have been guys who have been out there who have been you know popular without being good then they have to have uh, mic skills you know they have to be able to kind of do an interview. Uh, because that's how you, you know, that's that's where the, you la- kind of latch on to characters is when you see them yeah. kind of out of the ring. Like you can see, you know, you can see somebody yeah. do something amazing in the ring and then you see them out of the ring and they, you know, they're, yeah. you know, their voice is weird or they, you know, they don't look Some, like they know what they're talking about. Right. Coming Some for you, of... Taker! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just kind of that general, like, uh, it's like chari- well, charisma kind of overlaps between both, you know, Mike's skills, but then they're kind of gimmick. Like there's got to be something interesting yeah. about them. Yeah. Like like we were talking about before that the you know just all these kind of, you know, oh it's a big tough guy who's just got his name as his gimmick. Yeah. Like you can make a guy who who's like that and is successful, but for the most part like you need a little bit of a something. Yeah, right. and I feel I feel like sometimes you can make one of those things kind of overlap the other things that are weaker, so like a great professional wrestler, technical wrestling skills and everything else could maybe overshadow their lack of charisma or mic skills and stuff. Dean Malenko is just an amazing professional wrestler. It's insane. Watch anything that he did with Eddie Guerrero and like ECW and stuff like that or like Chris Benoit and everybody else. Like 
He's an amazing professional wrestler, amazing to watch. Don't remember anything that he ever did on the mic. Oh, yeah. it's really, really bad. Just yeah. like it's, he's just a dude. Like he has no personality. There's other than his wrestling skill. It's like I don't care what this guy has to say. I just want to see him wrestle. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like he's amazing. I love that guy. But like, what well, I mean, I don't remember anything that he did on the microphone. Between CM Punk and Daniel Bryan both going over really big, that's going to be like. Hopefully that'll be a thing that steers WWE in the right direction. That they'll be yeah, like, wait a minute, okay, these guys yeah. are cool characters, and people like them for what they're kind of saying and doing, and not just right. kind of looking at these big monsters beat each yeah. other. Yeah, they also they do have like that charisma and stuff, but they just have good professional wrestling skills. Like they're great professional wrestlers, and fans you cannot deny fans that appreciate that. Like they could try to tank those guys, but it like. Those, the fans will always love those guys because they're so good in the ring. They're amazing. Right. And, like, I think, like, that Cesaro guy, it seems like they try to bury him, but he's just too good, and he makes other guys look awesome. Like, you can't keep those guys so down, you know? Like, because those guys are just naturally good. Like, CM Punk does not look like anybody else that has ever been in professional wrestling. The guy's sleeved up. He's got a big chest tattoo. Like, he's not huge. Like... He just looks like one of my friends. Right. You know, like that's not a poster child for like a publicly traded company. <laughs> but like the fans want him, yeah. you know, and I mean, they, they respect what you can do. Yeah, it's a it's a sport where the outcomes are predetermined and everyone knows what's going on. But that doesn't mean it doesn't take any athletic skill to pull off some yeah. of these things. Yeah. I mean, you're putting you're putting your livelihood in the hands of someone else, and yeah. you're like, "Hey, please don't fuck up this move yeah. because I will break my neck." And it yeah. has happened before. That's that's crazy. That's why I, I would never be able to discredit anybody that's done that, even in like the those little farm territories and stuff. Yeah. Just to put your body through that and put yourself at risk for a passion that you have, like that kind of thing. I just don't have. I never. I realized it after I was like talking about you know uh, the power plant and everything else. It's just like. As much as I would have liked to train as a professional wrestler, I would have not have had that conviction that these guys have. Right. Like you just wrestle for two years in this shitty promotion that just is like out of a warehouse. And at the end of the match or at the end of the night when you're done with your match, you're folding up the chairs and putting them away. And then you get paid 60 bucks and then you drive your shitty car home. Like to maybe go to the next level. Yeah. Not even a guarantee just to maybe move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean that I respect that so much. Just to perform and do something that you care about. That's amazing to me. Oh, I'm sure my career as Count Slamula would have ended with many a broken bone. And I'd probably just <laughs> never be able to walk again. Yeah. In week one. I, yeah, my yeah. first match. He's, he's gone. He slipped on his cape, everybody. He's gone. <laughs> All right, so that was our show about professional wrestling. That it was, good sir. It's, uh, like we said, there's so much stuff, you know, that we could have jammed in there. I think we're going to have to reconvene and uh, and uh, do another session on wrestling at some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, not even just, like, storylines or topics, but also just certain wrestlers I felt needed to be talked about, like the British Bulldogs or the Rockers, you know, all that good stuff. Right. Well, eventually. The kids we'll need back. to know. It's true. The kids don't know. Kids today, they don't know. It's your kids, Marty. <laughs>
All right. Well, I want to thank uh, Jim and Phil again for coming by and uh, and chatting about wrestling. Thanks for being wrestling nerds, guys. And uh, that's it for this time. We'll be back in about two weeks or so with uh, with another episode. Oh, it's going to be a good one, just like this one. Yeah, they're but all not good. Like this one, it'll be different. Yes, but I'm excited either way. Yeah. Well, you're always excited. I am very excitable. Bye.
my roommate has to think I'm insane because like, <laughs> there's just like every, like it'll be quiet for 20 minutes and then you're, Oh shit. And it's me like, going, what's going on? You're like, it's like just these weird things come out of my mouth.